Good day, friends, and welcome to another glorious episode of Out of Your League. We've got a screen next to us, Mark. It's Out of Your League, the Super League podcast. We've come so far, haven't we? Yeah, looks brilliant. We started in the basement, didn't we? We did, on the outskirts. It was actually more fun in the basement, wasn't it? It was a bit weird in the basement. <laughs> it was more very, fun, though, Very weird it? in the basement. It was more fun, but look. We get paid to do it now, don't we? Don't tell Brody. We really get paid before. Hello, Mark. How are you? Who's Brody? Is he, who's Brody? Uh, Brody's our guest this week. Apparently, oh, he's been asking for payment already. <laughs> so we shouldn't have said that. Just dig Brody Croft, the Salford halfback, out within seconds of the podcast. No, mate. I would never do that. No. And if you are listening and you, do, you don't know who Brody is, that's Brody Croft, Mark. You, you'll get the gist of these podcasts soon. Yeah, well, sometimes I like to steal your thunder, but yeah, you do your introduction <laughs> now. Let's go. That was it. How are you, Mark, before we speak to Brody? Uh, I'm well, yeah, well, <laughs> love, love rugby, uh, love life. <laughs> Do you? A bit, yeah, I've loved hanging around waiting for you all day, which has been great. Yeah. Um, no John Wilkin again this week? No, he's in France uh, at a wedding. He has more holidays than fucking Michael Palin, this guy. Yeah, I think his house is still uh, unoccupied. Wait, wait, I was going to say, that is another fantastic opportunity to burgle John Wilkin's house. Um, we'll put the details up on Twitter of the exact address, but it's a very pretentious village in the heartlands of, of Cheshire. Yeah. You know where the, the back door Many is. Many leather-bound books. The back. Is there anything worth stealing? If we had, I mean, even if we had a little rummage, what would you take, really, in there? No, I'd take that. something from Fran. He's rolling pin. I'd take Fran's swimming goggles mm. and sell them on eBay. Lovely. Um, Brody Fran, household's a former swimmer, married to John Wilkin, by the way, just in case. You don't have to do that fake laugh. That's just... <laughs> 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 We've got two very good-looking guys on that golden sofa over there. The diff- I, the, I think the difference between you two, apart from age, uh, is there's a bit more behind the eyes of, of Brody Croft. more than wisdom Mark. than myself. You know, you look great, Mark, and you can, no one's going to take that away from you. You could, you know, we could yeah. put you on a catwalk in 20 years and you're still going to look good, but there's just not a lot. There's, there's, not, there's not that je ne sais quoi, that va va behind you. A bit dim. Bit dim, a little bit Tim, nice bit dim. Tim, nice bit dim. <laughs> Brody, how the hell are you, mate? We've given you a, a, a golden Australian sofa to sit yeah, on. Yeah, well. really appreciate that. I like the colour coordination. Yeah, with the green, green and gold. gold. Yeah, love yeah. it, love it. No, um, thanks here. so much for coming in, mate. Loads to get to get stuck into. Um, you've had a little chat with Mark there. I came in five, yeah. ten minutes before. What, what were you talking? Was it awkward? Was small it small talk? It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Small yeah. talk, Mark. What did he start with? So, I was just checking. Um, Salford's still in good hands after I left. Oh yeah, of course. Um, obviously, uh, yeah. I was a, you know, I really enjoy what part of my career and just checking all the lads are still yeah. good. And is your statue still there? Or are they taking it no, down? It's the not legend lives on. The is legend it? lives on. Yeah, there we go. Is, uh, is his name still knocking about the dressing room a bit, Brody? Has he been mentioned? Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's he lying for? <laughs> Why are you lying? No, uh, I was saying, because, um, yeah, a few of the boys are still around when you're yeah. around. Berkey, Sarge, yeah. Lannan, Packers. Yeah. Group of guys, yeah. yeah. We'll get on to Salford later because there's something building there, isn't there? And you're having a good season as we re record this. Um, so look, tell me, uh, tell me about you, Brody. Tell me about the young Brody from, from all the little interviews I've watched and clips I could find on the internet. You speak very well, you speak with this kind of air of authority, this captain's tone. You're 25 next week, so you're still a baby. Um, where did this, this sort of real maturity and calmness come from uh, going back to your childhood? Um, oh, I guess. My parents, that's a good start. Um, yeah, I've got a really good family that yeah, um, raised me really well, I guess. And um, now that I've got a little one myself, you reflect on like how your parents raised you yourself. So um, yeah, I grew up in a little country, I was born in a country town in Dolby there, four hours inland from Brisbane. And then we moved off the farm when I was five. Um, to a place called Highfields that my mum and dad still live now. I've got a lot of mates still there. I went to primary school there. Um, 
went to high school just around the corner and um and yeah that's just a little bit of the backstory that it, I mean, it's that already you've painted the picture it sounds like the kind of australian childhood dream doesn't it yeah yeah no i certainly enjoyed especially like my first five years living in the countryside there in dolby we lived on an ostrich farm, uh, so the boys always find that interesting. When I had ostriches, it's not really something you farm. What do you too do much. with that? Do, do you kill them? Do you eat them? Do you what do you do with ostriches? What, what do they do for you? And what do you do for them? No, see, I was a bit too young to ask those sort of questions. <laughs> eggs, eggs, <laughs> yeah, eggs. They do do eggs, yeah. yeah. Can you eat ostrich, ostrich eggs? eggs? Yeah. yeah. There we go. I don't know if there's anything in the feathers or anything, but I just remember like waking up early in the mornings with dad and going to feed him that and. Um, yeah, he'd always get chased by them and quite aggressive them. little fuckers. Yeah, they are. They're, they are Fuck. aggressive. Um, see, I was never really allowed in the pen with them. Um, just looked at them from the outside. Now you are. Now you could show them. Yeah, no, yeah. I'd love to be yeah. in there now with them. <laughs> Go back and them. show them what you, they were missing. Come on, then. <laughs> you want some? Well, that, that's. Um, I mean, I even saw. I think it was something you did for Fox. I think during lockdown, where you you turned your um, oh, yeah. your dad's backyard into a, to a footy field. I mean, even just watching that, because yeah, you've yeah. got you've got brothers. Yeah, I've got two younger twin brothers. brothers. Yeah, twins. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. They're both taller than me now. Um, so, yeah, there's always been that rivalry there all through our childhood growing up. Um, and yeah, that's that's the property that mum and dad still live on. They got a nice acre there and yeah. big enough for a footy field in the backyard. So, we had yeah the footy field. The, we always had the footy posts up. Um, in that backyard and we'd um, put the corner posts up and paint the lines out and every afternoon after school we'd come home and yeah, we'd get a backyard game of footy going, um, get the neighbours over and um, yeah, so it was always at least two on two because between me and my two brothers and my dad, that makes up four and then yeah. you try to get Dan and Jared to come over and Ben, the next door neighbour and Braden up the road and so, yeah, so sometimes sometimes that was the most Australian you, sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and Bruce. Sometimes you get here yeah, four, four, five v five. We actually got to a stage where we made like a, a an annual match. We did it for two years, um, where we got cameras in. Um, mm. My mum and um, one of my next door neighbours come around with his VHS or VCR camera and um, record the match, and then. Me and my cousin would do like the commentary <laughs> over it afterwards. <laughs> and yeah, that was good fun. Um, how, how did your dad go? He must love that play. Yeah, he loves it. He loves it. He was the referee for those two games, but during the weeks he'd play on the one of the teams, and it was always an advantage to have because he's the fast one. And so <laughs> would always be he'd always chase everyone down. So anytime anyone makes a line break, um, especially to keep the games even, he'd always be the one that tries to keep the games even. So yeah. um, if his team were up. And the other team were, oh, if his, his team were down, the other team were making line breaks, he'd be doing everything he can to chase them down and stop that's the good. try. So I guess that's where I got my competitive nature from, definitely from my dad. Uh, and yeah, even to this day, he still loves his, like he, he always loves his tennis, um, loves his squash. So he plays squash weekly with my, my younger brother there back home. And uh, yeah, he's always been into his sports. So, uh, and my mum, she always played touch as well growing up. Um, she comes, she has five brothers herself. so and they were all sporty themselves. So got a bit of a sporty family there. So I yeah. think a lot of that comes through. And um, and yeah, like I look back on those those backyard games um, quite fondly. Um, and yeah, when we get back, get the chance to, we still yeah, lace the boot. Like we always lace the boots up for those games and, <laughs> and get them going. Yeah, it, it's it, good this, fun. It does sound like the beginning of some sort of Hollywood film, doesn't it? You go looking back at Croft's childhood in that sense. But were you always then given the impression by your mum and your dad that the world was your oyster and you know it was, was it always going to be sport in that sense um yeah they always um 
just pushed us to be the best we could with whatever we wanted to do. They never pushed us into anything they they wanted themselves. Um, <clears throat> yeah, mum never actually let me. <laughs> I always say this, and mum gets annoyed at me, but she never let me play rugby league till I was ten because she didn't want me tackling or getting tackled myself. Too good looking. Thanks. Just on that point, do you think you're better looking than Mark? I should have asked you that at the beginning. Oh, if geez, you had to give yourself geez. a number, do you? Yep. Well, seven no, and a half. Yeah, you're, you're a seven, four. I know what I am, like a five. I can go up to five and a half, six, but you know. Mark's yeah. probably a seven and a half. I'd yeah, probably yeah, say seven, seven myself. Seven. <laughs> okay, carry on. <laughs> yeah. So mum didn't want you getting rough and rumbled. Yeah, yeah. So I played touch footy coming up, uh, which is pretty big back in juniors, back um, home in Oz. Um, yeah, finally got to play when I was 10. But yeah, they didn't really push me in anything. Mum's biggest thing as well, when I started playing sports, any sports, whether it was rugby league, whether it was touch footy, um, was that my grades had to always stay up, particularly when I got to high school um, and footy started making some like minor rep teams, I guess you could call them. Mm. Um, and yeah, that was always her ultimatum. If um, my grades started dropping, sport was the first thing to drop. So Did they? Uh, no, they didn't. <laughs> it kind of gave me that competitive edge in the classroom as well to keep pushing my grades up. So And yeah, to this day, I thank my mum for that because um, yeah, it's given me opportunities now and I'm still studying at the moment. Um, so yeah, because at the end of the day, whether I was going to make rugby league or not, mm. it's not a long-term career mm. as such. Um, and so yeah, like now that I have made it, you're always thinking, well, what happens when you, mm. you get to whenever you get to and yeah. footy's no longer an option, um, what's left for you? So mm. yeah. Well, it's, it's 10, 15 years of your life, yeah, isn't it? If you're lucky, of, yeah. yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah. You live to 70, 80, it's probably 15% of your life. Mm. So yeah, I think you're mad not to think about what happens next and prepare a little bit. And obviously Brody's doing that. What are you studying? I'm studying sports science. Oh, nice. So yeah, when I first went into it, <clears throat> I really liked pushing into something like a physiotherapy or like a sports psychology sort of line. Um, I'm currently this semester I've just paused whilst I've come over here with the big move and everything um, so it's all ready to go for next semester but um, yeah now that I've like I bought a property um, well, yeah we bought a property recently and um, well we need to elaborate on that you didn't just buy a property you're, you're a bit of a property magnet now Brody this is, uh, is, this, is this a little side hustle property is this yeah yeah that, that's <laughs> what I was kind of alluding to I um, got a bit of an interest there in property and I've always liked numbers, so like when it comes to property and the mm. numbers behind it, um, <clears throat> and yeah, I've got a really good um, private wealth management um, manager back home, I guess you can call him, yeah. Ryan, and he helps me a lot. It's not the same one as Elijah Taylor, is it? No, no, it is not the <laughs> same <laughs> one as ET. You shouldn't no. laugh. But, yeah. Shouldn't yeah, laugh. Sorry. But you are, Mark. Sorry, ET. There's a lot about you. I'm laughing out, you're not with me, <laughs> as usual. So you've got... You got you shit together, haven't you? Because and, and oh, well, yeah, I, you hope so. Yeah. I no, but at so. 25, I mean, that's in, that is impressive, Mark. Because I mean, you must you must know what 80% of Super League players when you were playing, you just let's just say didn't have their shit together, or didn't think about the future, or didn't think about that that other 75% of their life. Yeah, I think well, it's one of them. When you're playing sport, you kind of or you you preparing to play sport, you you have to invest a lot of time and energy into your career. Otherwise, you probably won't make it. So mm. it's it's a bit hypocritical to say that. You should, but you shouldn't because if you don't put in that time, you won't get there. But then you also, you need to kind of, when you get to that standard where you, you've, you've kind of strived towards, mm. 
probably that's when you time to think about it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, you, you talked about the physiotherapy, the sports science and the, the degree you're doing. I always like this question with with uh, guys who are still playing and you know, have still got a long time ahead of themselves. What would we asked, what did we, we asked Luke Yates what he would be if he wasn't a rugby league player. Do you remember what he said? What did he say? I remember what he said. Anyway, you know, if you weren't a footy player, Brody, um, I don't know if you've heard of the the football, the soccer player, Peter Crouch, very gangly man, tall man. Now he's about six foot 15. He used to play for England. He was always asked, if you weren't a football player, what would you be? And he said, a virgin. I think, <laughs> I think you wouldn't struggle on that side. But what would what would you, uh, you know, what was the kind of dream then as, a, as the kid? Was it always to, to turn out for, you know, a team like Melbourne and Brisbane or to, to be a, a league player? Um, uh, it's funny. So when I was back on the farm, like mm. as a, four, five, six-year-old, <clears throat> I um, actually wanted to be a truck driver. Did you? Yeah, because uh, I just thought it was so cool, big trucks. Just for the horn, you know, pull that your horn. Big horn your big horn, your big road trains, your, your, your B-doubles, your semi-trailers. Like How old was you then? I would have been, yeah, around that four, five, sort oh, of okay. six. Um, Not 16, 17. No, 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 but that, that's <laughs> kind of where I was at then. And then when we moved off the farm, I still wanted to be a farmer. Um, so I'd always pretend in the backyard um, with the bikes and that dad and that would buy us a tricycle with a trailer and he'd help me um well he wouldn't help me he'd just do it himself he'd, mm. he'd build up this like this rig for the trailer and make it look like a like a spray rig <clears throat> so i'll be going around the backyard spraying the backyard and and then i'll turn to we once turned a golf um cart into a harvester so a harvester where you cut your crops and so you, your golf cart that you, you pull along and we welded on a, a steel picket fence um, bar on the front and then we put a tricycle wheel on the back welded that on put some ropes around it and so then you could actually and put a seat welded on the middle of it so you could sit on it as a kid and pull the strings and you could actually wheel your way around the backyard cool. as a harvester <laughs> so this is a far more wholesome upbringing yeah. than i had this is sounds like a very healthy <laughs> so like, hearty th that, that was like kind of <clears throat> when i was young like i just wanted to be a farmer that um but yeah, and then I started enjoying my sports as I got a bit older. That's probably around 10, 11. Started playing like my rugby league. Mm. Got into that just because I think dad watched it on, he just watched it on TV a lot. Back home, rugby league's really big, so. Did no one in the family play before you? Nah. To, to that level, yeah. Nah, no. nah. And yeah, even when I started getting a bit older, like in my teens, like, yeah, I played my rugby league, but um, you'd always get told oh, only 2% ever go on to make it, so. That's why I sent, essentially mum would always want to make sure I had a backup plan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then I, I never really doubted myself that I couldn't make it, but I'd never brag about it to anyone that, yeah, I'm going to be an NRL player. Like, mm -hmm. I just quietly kind of go about it, I guess, and um, put in the hard work and then, um, yeah, just hopefully get some success, especially later in my juniors. When I got to about 18, 19, I had, or 17, 18, I had a couple of good years there. That's when I started getting um, recognised by scouts and that and got my first opportunity at Melbourne. Mm. So all, all these great things you've done in this amazing childhood and you've painted that picture. Where, where do you get your vice? Do you, you know, do you electrocute sheep in the middle of the night or something? What, <laughs> what nasty things do you do, Brody? This is all too sort of yeah, Hollywood pin-up boy. <clears throat> no, it's funny, like, even when I was those teenage years there, like I got to like 15, 16 even, and like that's when people start drinking and that, and I was still kind of like, if you want to make a professional athlete, yeah. you don't drink. And I so like I was that. a bit of a straighty 180, and I think to the boys, they'd probably still call me a straighty 180, but I don't see myself <laughs> that anymore. I try not to yeah. <laughs> stick to that tag, but um, 
You've yeah. done a lot of things earlier, haven't you? I mean, you, you're, you're engaged, you've got a kid, you know, you, your missus is English, you met yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in, in well, Melbourne. I, she, Lara, she's called, isn't she, your missus? <laughs> Lara. <laughs> nah, that's his sidekick. That's his advice. Thursday night, dresses Lara. up as Lara. Lara Croft. <laughs> Uh, no, so go on. So back to those those early years playing. I always find those like formative years before someone recognises you. Are they sort of when you look back? Actually, the most um, sort of innocent and enjoyable because there isn't that extreme pressure on you back then. Before you know, <clears throat> you turned out for Melbourne Storm. Yeah, yeah, you definitely you play your sport for your enjoyment, and mm. um, that's the most important thing. Even now to this day, like you you want to play for the enjoyment rather than seeing it as a job. Um, so yeah, I look back on those days fondly, and and playing with those guys, and like still mates with a lot of them now. I love going back home and catching up with them in the off seasons and that. Uh, Did a lot of them make it as well from that grade? Um, yeah. So when I moved from Toowoomba to Brisbane for my last two years of school, um, I was fortunate enough to to go to a school called um, Churchy there in Brisbane, which um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty big rugby union school mm. there in Brisbane. And um, and yeah, I was yeah really fortunate to play on a team there that 2014 year. So uh, you played you played 15 aside. You played union. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You for, fly half for two years. Yes, yeah. so, and yeah, my first year there, I had an ultimatum with the coach. He gave me he said, oh, you can either play first but on the wing, mm. or you could play seconds as a fly half. Yeah, and it's tough, tough call. yeah, the reason was because the first fly off that year was the captain he'd been the captain last year the captain this year yeah he'd played rugby all his his life so um and and i'd never played rugby myself so uh Stick it was kind of like wing. a stepping <laughs> stepping process um, that they wanted to work me in and um and yeah i the reason he could put me on the wing is i had a bit of pace about me so yeah. so uh, you chose wing in the first so i ended up choosing play wing just because i i, I wanted to get that experience to play first yeah and I wanted to be a part of that team because I knew that team was something special. Mm. And yeah, we ended up going on to win the premiership that year. And that was extremely good team to be a part of. And yeah. looking back at that team now, so that fly off Mac Mason, he, he went on to play a few games with Waratahs. He's over at American now, playing really well rugby. Yeah. Um, then I go through the backs and I look at, um, Jaden Sewell was our inside centre. Yeah, he's, he's playing NRL. Isaiah Parisi, he's just he's on the bench this weekend to play for the Wallabies against England. Yeah. Um, who else? We had Kalen Ponger at fullback. Uh, Liam Wright was in the forwards. He's the Reds captain now. Angus Scott Young. Uh, we had players like Harley Fox, Josh Webb. Like they've all gone wow, on to a, play, play ground, Super yeah. Rugby. Or so so was so was Union an option then for you at that stage? Yeah, yeah, the, the, like. Um, the Reds, because like, I started doing some stuff with the Reds academies and that. Um, and yeah, it did interest me. Um, I enjoyed the space the back, outside backs got. Mm. Uh, I, just, I found heaps of space there. But I guess playing rugby league for so long, just that love and enjoyment was more for rugby league still, even though we had some good success there. Mm. I think rugby being in, a, in like a, a successful team, like Brody was at school, when there's probably lots of excitement and anticipation and very successful side you're in, it kind of gives you a thirst for more, doesn't it? You probably, you went through that experience, being really successful with your school team and thought, you probably want more of this, don't you? It kind of spurs you on for more, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, it was interesting 
when I was playing on that team and we had the success and um, you got that taste for like a, like a premiership that was it's really big back there in the school systems and um, and just thinking looking around and thinking who's going to go on here like because at that age you don't like at that stage you don't know like no one's got contracts or anything and and you're like but you know that something special's here that yeah. um, you're like oh is is Kalen Ponga going to go on like he, he was a superstar at school is he going to go on and you look at him now and you look mm. at your Jaden Sewers and your Zaya Prezies and that uh, yeah so it's pretty special looking back on that yeah so, so take us from that point then playing Union on the wing were you 11 14 I don't know which side you were 14 yeah, 14. yeah, yeah. so from 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 a 14 in a Union team to your Melbourne Storm debut in 2016 that fill in that gap for us yeah so then 2015 I was still at the school that was my um, wow, that's so second. close to, to making an NRL debut. Yeah, yeah. So that was my, my last year at school, 2015. Um, yeah, I got to play fire half that year. And we lost a lot of those players from that 2014 team. And so we kind of got written off that 2015 year, um, which kind of spurred me on. And like you're saying, with the success that we got that year, you, you, you got that thirst for it. You wanted to chase it again. And, and then because a lot of the doubters as well, thinking, oh, well, they did it because they had so many superstars in that team. So... Uh, 2015 was really spurred on to do something special that year, and we we, we wanted to go on to win the premiership as well that 2015 year. And mm. if anything, that was almost even though that as a team the, the players I guess weren't as superstar esque I guess as the 2014. That group that come together and and to do what we did that year was really special. Mm. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that, and see so yeah, to have those two years of rugby union. Two two premierships that yeah, um, that's that, made you the halfback you are today. You think those couple of years playing 15s? Um, it definitely helped me because I played rugby league as well outside of school yeah. whilst I was there, and and having that success in those teams uh, brought me that confidence because I, I come from Toowoomba where when we'd go versus the Brisbane teams would always get bashed up because they just always have the bigger players, the better mm. players, and um, but yeah, when I got the chance to play with those sort of players and 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 feel my, find my feet and be like oh well, I can I can match it with these guys and I could do something about it. It gave me that confidence, I guess. And um, yeah, from 2015, I was fortunate enough to get a contract with Melbourne Storm mm. after that after that year. And um, how does I, that happen? How do you be fortunate enough to get a contract? <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah, I was playing a rugby league um, tournament there in Brisbane, and yeah, my management started talking to the recruitment at Melbourne and uh, they um, they come to an agreement that um, I'd, I'd get an under-20s contract, which is still a competition going down there in, um, in Australia. Mm. And um, part of my under-20s contract was that I'd be able to get two weeks of pre-season with Melbourne Storm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was really looking forward to those two weeks. Uh, and, yeah, come on, with, literally within my first week, of training under twenties, yeah. um, they got uh, under twenties coach got the call from from Melbourne, saying because the under twenties were in Queensland at that stage, for the Melbourne Storm, like it's a bit yeah. weird, but yeah, it was in in Queensland, so they got the call from Melbourne, saying that Cooper Cronk's injured at the moment and he's not training, so we need we need you down here a bit earlier. There's not a better place, I don't think, for a young rugby league player in the world than Melbourne Storm to nah. do a pre-season. Yeah. The players, the culture, the I've, this is what I've heard and read. The 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 level of training, the intensity, how high tech they are, how 
progressive they are and the way that they look at the game. Mm. And the coaches and, like I said, the players there is, are unbelievable, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and certainly, like, they don't recruit too many experienced players because they like to bring up their own players, Melbourne. But the few, the players that have come in, like, especially, like, Nate Miles stands out for me. and He says exactly the same as what you've just said there, Mark, where the players that are down there need to not take it for granted because he's he was when he come down, he was 32, I think, at that stage. And he said he's been to all these clubs, he's played Origin. But it was only that first that first year in Melbourne that he felt like he really started educating himself in rugby mm. league, and mm. and Melbourne did that because of like the system that they have down there. Mm. So, yeah, it was really special. So a bit like trying to get into that union team and play fly half first year. You had to sit around and sort of bide your time, and eventually you got there. And then obviously you're thinking to the future and thinking, hmm, I'm going to play halfback for Melbourne Storm. There's a certain Mr. Cronk in my way. What, what was it like when? I mean, did he make you feel welcome being around? I mean, he's rugby league royalty worldwide, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, they're great down there in Melbourne, especially with like their system. I said, um, like a Cooper Cronk and, and Cam Smith, the Billy Slaters, um, even your Ryan Hoffmans and and Jesse Bromwiches and the and the like. They um, those senior group of guys, they do really well at filtering down what they've learnt mm. down to the juniors, and so I really enjoyed that the way that they kind of brought me in. Um, Were you in awe of him when you first walked oh, in? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to pinch yourself when you're at training, even just watching them and, and brushing shoulders with them in the dressing rooms and uh, and just, yeah, being a part of their conversations and even, like, just getting to, like, the nickname basis and that, you're like, bloody hell. Like. So it wasn't much longer after what the point we're up to now where, you know, the Aussie media started calling you the, the Cooper Cronk clone. There was a lot of pressure on you at that early stage. Yeah, yeah, and I... I my first few games, my first few games there at Melbourne, um, yeah, I just kind of shot out of the cannon a bit, and um, yeah, I was blessed to have some good performances early on, and so I'd, it kind of added to that, I guess. And um, the the beauty of Melbourne in Australia is that it, it, it's more AFL orientated, so a lot of the media attention isn't as such shown down there in Melbourne. So I could say a bit out of the limelight down there. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't want to get caught up in too much of it, but it was hard not to to see some of it because it was, like, coming from from where I'd come from and suddenly getting your name all through the media and that, and you're like, oh, geez, this is pretty cool. Like, So, so yeah, Brody, no better person to be around in, in Cooper Cronk. I mean, he he's such a talent, isn't he? For, for again, a guy, you look at a halfback, like, what is he, five foot ten with his, with his boots on? He's, yeah, he's yeah. not a big, big guy, is he? But um, was he a part then of, of your early success and how much did you sort of tap into him on the, on the training pitch? Yeah, uh, I tried to just pretty much walk in his footsteps, really, because <laughs> there's no better guy to, to walk in someone's footsteps than a, a Cooper Cronk. The, the professionalism, the way he goes about his business. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I was just... The, the time that he gave, to, particularly myself, mm. um, yeah, it was really, like, like, yeah, unbelievable, really, because, like, he didn't need to do that, like, go out of his way to, to talk to me about things, and he could have just kept going about his business. Um, but he wanted to help help me. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for everything that he taught me. I was there for two years whilst he was still there, uh, essentially applying a trade as such. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I remember one day he pulled myself aside with Scott Drinkwater, um, he's one of my best mates, um, and he sat us down, we're having a chat 
he was, I just remember we were all sitting on a footy together on the footy field after a training session and he's having a chat to us and he goes, uh, what do you think one advice is I have for you, Scott? And Scott's like, oh, I don't know. And he said the same, what do you think my one piece of advice right now for you, Brody? And, um, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you're the one telling the story. <laughs> and then he goes, you need to be more like him and you need to be more like him. And so it was kind of because Drinky, especially at that stage, he's got that real loose edge to him and that, that's his X Factory's flair that he's got. Mm. And then I'm a bit more strict, a bit, bit, more, um, bit more full on, I guess you can say. So <clears throat> yeah, he said, you need to loosen up a bit. And he said, I need to loosen up a bit and be a bit more like him. And you need to tighten up a bit and be a bit more like him. And so that's amazing, though. Like, that's a very analytical way of looking at something yeah, for two yeah. young kids that he doesn't really need to give a shit about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at that stage. Yeah, yeah. So I'd, yeah, we had good little chats like that with him. Uh, Were you happy and was br um, Drinky happy with that feedback? <laughs> who was it more an insult <laughs> <Yeah>. to? <laughs> yeah. Who was pissed We're, off to him? We always giving each other about that. Like, a, <laughs> who was actually having to get a dig there? Or, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember that it was another like, time we were uh, in a hotel and uh, about to play, play a pre-season game and um, somehow we got the, there was like a four bedroom big ensuite. There was like, there was Coops, Munster, me and Scott Drinkwater in it. Mm. And yeah, so it was me, when we first got in there, uh, me, Coops and Drinky were sitting on the chair there and uh, we're just having a chin wag and, and we're having like a life lesson about relationships and that. <laughs> and then like five, 10 minutes down the track, Coops goes, stands up, he goes, can't believe I'm having this chat with two 18 year olds. <laughs> Obviously work, because you're engaged yeah. at what, 23 yeah. or something. Uh, you, must have, you must have played against him, Mark? Cooper? Cooper Cronk. Uh, I don't think I did no. really play Melbourne once. Um, when you were at West? Yeah, when I was at West, yeah. I don't like talking about that, but no. yeah, I was at West Tigers no. for a couple of years. I don't think Brody knew that, did he? No, I told no. him. Before. <laughs> okay, a little tip sheet. But what I find interesting about that, I remember, I remember when Brody kind of burst onto the scene and I mean, you play, you played against, do you play against Leeds in the World Cup mm. Challenge that time? Yeah. Trying yeah. three assists. Yeah, I remember watching the game and it felt like watching there was um, a clone of Cooper Cronk who'd, who'd come onto the scene. Now, I find it strange and interesting in the fact that for two years you were probably being moulded to be the, like, the next in line, the next person to follow in the great man's footsteps. However, when I've seen you this, this year for Salford, I find that you're, the strongest parts of your game, your strengths, aren't in the mould of Cooper Cronk. It's in a, you're, you're naturally a different player, more of a running player, more of an instinctive player in some ways. Um, I just wondered, how was it at that age being probably taught to play a certain way when your instinct mm, is probably mm. leading you in a different direction? Yeah, that's a good question. I've thought about that a few times, <clears throat> uh, particularly when after I moved to Melbourne, from Melbourne to Brisbane and things didn't quite work out there in Brisbane and <clears throat> you kind of reflect on what's changed in your own game and where you can get better and, and what was going right for you when things were going good and then what's going on now, why, why are you not doing that? And <clears throat> You know, like, I'm so thankful for starting my career there at Melbourne. <coughs> and, and to be honest, I, I, I'd always, I always say this, I wish I could have played my whole career there, like such a successful club. It was that, um, you must have been thinking that as well in those early stages. Oh, yeah, that this, sure. is, this is 12 years ahead of you. <coughs> yeah, yeah, I was always thinking, yeah, this is, I want this to be my forever club, I guess. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I guess I, I ingrained myself into the culture and what they're about and... And um, 
and, and Coops' footsteps and all that. And so I guess in a way I kind of molded myself with that professionalism and everything. And you could say to an extent lost a bit of like my flair and that. I'd, I've actually, before I left Melbourne, I had a chat with Bellyache one-on-one at a coffee, at a cafe. And, because uh, I wanted to get a few answers before I, I made the, the switch from Melbourne to Brisbane. And mm. um, we're just chatting about that, about the kind of like bit of X factor, I guess you could say, like um, that I had when I first come on the scene. And my last year there was a good solid year, but, and I had so- glimpses of it, but wasn't as consistent as I would have liked it to have been. And um, we're just talking about how I kind of started playing the percentages so much that I'd, forgot about what my some of my greatest traits I guess you and could that's be that's why they're saying in the first place the traits that you would yeah that's really I found that really interesting actually how I, I can kind of resonate with it almost in, in different capacities in life obviously yeah, not in yeah. rugby but you, so you, essentially you're having your kind of your natural in, intricacies coached out of you and, you, and you're, you're not playing to your tree obviously it didn't necessarily harm you because you, yeah, you, yeah. you're around great people and great coaches yeah but I, I'm think I'm sort of reading into you thinking that you know if you had the chance to go back, you would have done things slightly oh, different. Definitely, yeah. You always think about that. What would he have done different? And yeah, I guess I, I just went into that role sort of player where I just wanted to do my job, make my tackles, mm. kick well. Because you didn't want to upset anyone? <coughs> or? Yeah. yeah, yeah, essentially. It didn't, no, maybe not want to upset anyone, but just, just wanted to do my job to keep my place, I guess, rather than mm. set the world on fire and, mm. and try to really get things going. And so it's the pressure that made you do that? Uh you could you could say the pressure, or you could just say the mindset, where the mindset was just so focused and channeled on wanting to do your job and 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 maybe not doing things like trying not to do anything wrong. So you're trying to be too perfect. But yeah. the halfback, a, a young halfback at an NRL club, a big NRL club like Brisbane and Melbourne, is the toughest position you can play because they it's all the pressures on your halfback. Mm everything's on them and then they have to do two things they have to control the game and dictate the full team's play probably a little bit less if you've got Cameron Smith inside you but you have to dictate which direction the team's going in whether you play two shots that way or whatever you're, you've got to think a couple of players in advance but if that's not your natural kind of gameplay like Brody where he's mm. running his flair it's really hard you're compromising what's best for the team and what's best for you and how you naturally play. Mm. So it must have been incredibly hard for a young guy with all that pressure to kind of have these mixed emotions going into each game because it takes years to kind of develop how you play as a mm. rugby player. But when you're 20, 19, 20, it must have been a lot on your shoulders. I, I but imagine. it was all working now. That was the point, wasn't it? I, mean, I remember watching that, that Leeds game. Um, in the World Club Challenge, and, you know everything was going well. I know you said that uh, the last season wasn't quite as good as the the one before, but obviously, and we'll get on to Brisbane in a second. How that sort of fell away, and how you know how how now things are going at Salford. But you you were tell me if I'm wrong. Used to that pressure of you. I mean, you're always even if you're playing fly half fifteen, you're a captain, aren't you? Even if you're not the captain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that that that's when I moved to Brisbane, that was kind of my mindset. Like I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew that there's media there. I knew there was going to be external pressure. And to me, like that kind of excited me because I was like, well, this is it. Like, this is, this is what you want to be doing. I'll start, like we start earlier in this conversation about like, as a kid, you're playing in the backyard and, and now here you are getting the chance to play at Suncorp as the number seven. Um, 
with Alfie Langer running out the back, giving you water, like stuff for dreams, <coughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I knew that. Yeah, you're definitely going to get those pressures, um, and I guess sometimes my biggest flaw can be my pressure on myself that I put on myself rather than the external pressures. Like <coughs> I've learned to just let media say what they want to say. Like they can build their storylines. That, that's their job. Um, they do their job, I'll, and they can worry about their job. I'll worry about my job, and mm. and the way I can improve is just working harder than the training paddock. That's always been my mindset. So if things aren't working, I'm going to work harder on the training paddock, and and then yeah. So when things aren't working, I, I'm my biggest critic. So I don't need the media telling me you're not doing this right, you're not doing that right. I know it myself. So yeah. <coughs> yeah. So d- just sort of fill in a few gaps for us then, and, and I, I want to spend good, good amount of time talking about Salford in the future as well. But um, at the end of your stint at Melbourne, and you touched on it there, you had a conversation with Craig Bellamy, 2019. I think you, you played 21 games in that 2019 season. You know, a lot of games. And then suddenly you've been dropped and then, tell me if I'm wrong, re- released because they wanted to bring the salary cap down and so on. And then you end up going to, to the Broncos. Was it was it all left on bad terms with Craig Bellamy? Nah. Was, it, was there a relationship breakdown? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. Everyone always asks me, oh, what's Billy Egg like? What's he like? Mm. Like, is he all like that doom and gloom like you see on the media and that? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, no, nah, he's not like that. Like, he, he can be like that, obviously. And he, he's um, he's hard on, he's, he's full on. But, um, yeah, when he, he's still a genuine bloke and he loves having banter with the boys and all that. So, I did, yeah, with that meeting, that was, I didn't want to leave on bad terms if I was to leave. Um, and, yeah, I played... I played 21 games that year, and so that's why it was confusing for myself as to why I got dropped. Because we had such a, we did have such a good year as a team, mm. um, and yeah, literally like two weeks out before finals, um, yeah, I got the phone. Uh, I think three weeks out before phone, finals, I got the phone call uh, on the way home from Bellyache saying that yeah, I'm not going to play uh, this week, and yeah. I, Still remember that day lying on the couch, just bore my eyes out the misses. Um, just, yeah, puzzled at why he made that decision and considering how well the year had gone. I didn't, hadn't set the world on fire that year, but played consistent football. Um, and, yeah, we were top two at that stage. Um, Was that the first time in your, your career, maybe even in your life, that you started to ask big questions? You know, the first time you'd been really rejected and that's, if it felt like that? Yeah, I guess so. I, I got dropped the year before at the start of the year. I played five games at the start of the year when I first came into the team. And that was when I first came in after Cooper Cronk left. And as a as a whole, we weren't playing good. I wasn't playing good. I was trying to overplay my hand. And so then that didn't work out. But then I come back from that at the end of the year and ended up playing the grand final in 2018. So had a good end of that year. And then 2019, had a solid year. And then when, yeah, I got dropped then with just pretty much on the eve of finals. And, uh, yeah, that, that was extremely hard to take. And so when I had that chat with Belza, yeah, like, I just, I pretty much, I just asked him those questions. Like, mm. I didn't, where did this come from? Like, and you didn't get the answers you wanted? No, no. like, I, I, one of my, I can't, I had four questions and two of them were about the now and two of them were about my future and, because I remember before going into this chat with him, I was nervous as I was 21 at the time. And my mentor down there at Melbourne, he and my mentor Nathan, Nathan Jones, he um strong, mouldy fellow. He 
runs his own personal trainer. He's a real spiritual guy. He's real switched on. Uh, he told me, I, I was telling him all this, and he goes, mate, you need to have a chat with, you need to take him out for a coffee. And mm. I was like, oh, mate, I can't do that. Like, this is Craig Bellamy. I can't <laughs> imagine that was me. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yes, I, I took him for that coffee and I asked him those questions. And what are you having, Greg? I'll, I'll get this one. <laughs> <laughs> He's a tight bastard, Craig. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't get the answers as such. Like, he was never – I knew he was never going to tell me, it's okay, you're still going to be my halfback next year. But he was hitting me with um, just how if you work hard and train hard, like, I'm never going to write you off, like, you know, like you've been in this, you've been here for four years. Like we believe in you still, blah blah blah. And I, I genuinely believe he, he meant all that, and because he's a man of his word. Um, so if I if I was to stay, I would have had every chance to play halfback that next year. Mm. But just the deal at Brisbane was probably too good to 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 miss up on that opportunity. My my family all like two hours from Brisbane. It's still a massive club, wasn't it? It wasn't oh, as if you were taking another a, a massive huge step club. Down. Yeah. Um, and, and, and a the, place where you I guess at the time you're thinking you could be the star here. Yeah. yeah There's yeah. something about being wanted in sport. And yes. It sounds fickle, it sounds like needed, but being wanted by a coach at a club, when you put you put so much time and effort and yourself into a role, it it's it means something, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I didn't, as such, get the answers that I wanted from Bellyache. I didn't get the answers I didn't want. But walking out of there, I was like, uh, and Brisbane would would giving me, showing me what they what the plans are. Showing me and, the money. Yeah, like, and, and to, to throw to throw VAT on the top of all of this, this is during the middle of a lockdown. During the just middle before of, the lockdown. Or just actually. before, you just know, before what a stranger time so to it go actually into. Worked, worked out even well, like in hindsight, because I was at least up there with my family, mm. wasn't stuck down in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just the the opportunity there in Brisbane was too too good to miss up um, to play at a big club like Broncos mm-hmm. um, and be back close with my family. Uh, I'm in Queensland there, so um, yeah. I'd, at the time, I just I couldn't really say no to it. I think. And look, it was a, it was a strange time in the world. That 2020 season, Brisbane finished bottom of the NRL. 2021 didn't go a hell of a lot better. Th- those two years, how do you look back on those two years? They, they were definitely probably yeah the toughest two years football wise definitely of my life and and probably the the thing that uh, I remember thinking back in 2020 when we come back from the COVID lockdown and we went on a six game losing streak at Brisbane and that was I don't know if that's the I think it might be joint worst losing streak at Brisbane I've ever had or anything mm. and and that that rocked me um, yeah that was. That was really rock bottom then. Um, How much shit did you get from the fans during that? Oh year? yeah, the fan, the media, like because it's it's a one club team. So when it's going good, it's great. Mm. But when it's going bad, like yeah, it starts turning. And that was a that was some dark, was extremely dark times. And and the hardest thing for me in all those two years was when things were going bad, and you felt like depressed to an extent. And I, I felt myself changing as a person. Mm. I felt felt myself being affected my relationship, my missus, and and I didn't like who I was being. Mm. Just because, like, I, I I like to think of myself as like a happy, bubbly, positive sort of person. But and when you keep getting kicked down like that, you keep getting kicked down. You try to get up again, and every time you try to get up again, you get kicked back down. And 
that that was extremely hard to take because um, yeah, you, you still try to stay positive through those times, mm. but when you keep getting kicked down, it was just it was some some dark times. And when um, you, you said depressed to an extent, well, I wouldn't want to say that I was depressed, but I mean, yeah, because I like I'm a positive sort of guy. I wouldn't mm. want to say I was depressed, but I was. Every, everything close to it, yeah. And this is, fans don't see this, what goes on behind the scenes, especially, you know, when when players or teams are playing poorly, they take it harder than any fan, I, I think. If, if it's a player that cares, and you can, I think you can tell players that care by the way they play on the field, uh, and they don't see how much you take it home with you. I remember when I was ever dropped, which was quite often, um, or played poorly, I'd be just down all week. I'd be... I'd be, I'd be It'd be unfair on my wife, on my family, um, but because you live and breathe it, and you wouldn't get to the level you get to without living and breathing it. But it's really, it's really tough, and that's one thing people say to me now: How do you feel about retirement? And I love it because I'm a seven or eight out of ten every single day. Yeah. Mm. When you play professional sport, one week you're a ten, the next you're a yeah. two, you're a nine, you're a three. It's mm. just this roller coaster, mm. and that's why there's there's so much good stuff going on with mental health and helping players mental health and rugby league cares and all the rest of it because it is it is tough and it's taxing and when players care and they they put so much of the soul into the sport and winning and doing the best it yeah. can take so much out of you mm. and, and on top of that all the things we were just talking about that you're playing in a position that's easy to blame when things aren't ticking so and things aren't fluid the coach and the seven are the number one people to mm. blame and, and we know what the Aussie media is like, you know. Sam yeah. Burgess is a good friend of ours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, they hound you down, that's for sure. Well, yeah, and, and I'm just thinking about the mental health side of things that Mark said. Is, is that the first time then that that had come into question in your 21 years on the planet at that stage? Yeah, yeah. I'd, you'd always keep telling yourself, like, I'm, I'm a good player. Like, I've played big games. And then and you, you put in poor performance on the weekend. And you, you go home and you just reflect on it. You stare at the wall for the next week and just... You'd, you'd be pissed off with yourself and then you'd go out there on the weekend. You, you try to build yourself back up again, I guess. And Did it get to the point where you thought, I, I, I don't want to play rugby anymore? Uh, it never got to that point where I just thought, oh, I don't want to play it anymore. It, it got very close, I'd say. I, I, didn't, I didn't... I got to the point where I didn't enjoy rugby league. That's, that's for sure. I, mm. I got to the point where I'd, I'd be going to training and I'd... I wouldn't want to be training and just didn't want to enjoy, I didn't enjoy training and just felt like I was just getting dragged along. And whereas like we, as rugby league players, professional rugby league, I think most sports people know, like you play your best sports when you're in good, good vibes, mm. good feeling. Like you, you go to work, <clears throat> not because it, you go, you go to, you train not because it's work, but because you enjoy it. You want to be there. You want to better yourself. And, and I, I wasn't feeling that. I was the opposite. I just I didn't want to be there, and I was just I felt like I was forced to be there, and I just I wanted I, I needed a fresh start really. Um, so yeah, when when the opportunity come <coughs> to come to Salford, um, my manager had a few deals that come up for myself, and because I still had a year left on my contract at Brisbane, and mm. and when I was speaking to them and, and Kevy. Um, well, yeah, Kevy's a great guy um, because I'm great mates with the, his son Billy, one of my best mates, and um, and yes, yeah, so I've, I've got a good relationship with Kevy, and uh, he, he wasn't kicking me out or anything. They said if you like, we're not we're not pushing you out. You want to stay? We're more than happy to stay. Um, we still believe in you here, 
Um, but I just felt like I was hitting a dead end and I, I was, because I look back at my time and I, I was, I still trained as hard as I could. It wasn't yeah. like I was taking the foot off the gas at a train and like every training session, I still went, believe in that I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to. Does turn that this still around. haunt you? Kind of those moments where it went wrong at Brisbane, because you, you know, this is, seems to me like the first twist in a tale of a huge tale of success up to this point. You know, even at school school grade, you're the kind of you know the captain, the star man, the fly half, and you know when you burst into that Melbourne team, people are sort of you know not just the Cooper Cronk comparisons, but people comparing you to someone having a a 20 year you know career at that, that yeah. level, and, and and then suddenly overnight almost. You know, twenty twenty one. It's like no, mate. It's done. It's over. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when I got my phone call from my manager, <coughs> saying that there's offers elsewhere, and yeah, one being coming over here, over to the UK. I just remember my heart sunk because it kind of was like I didn't want to say it aloud but I, I knew like things weren't working out in Brisbane but I always because I, I always had that mindset that I'm going to turn things around mm. I'm going to I'm going to train the house down I'm going to train harder than I did the day before I'm going to I'm going to get this right again like mm. I'm going to I'm going to get back to where I, I know I can get to I never lost that belief in myself um, as much as it was tough and I go through stages a lot of stages where I didn't enjoy things and I still believed in in my, my ethics and, and working hard to, to get back where you want to get to and to get that phone call from a manager saying that, yeah, there's offers elsewhere and you should seriously consider it, that 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 hit me pretty hard because it kind of was like, yeah, it's not going to work here. And, 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 I, and I guess there's, there's some, well, there are worse things, obviously, but it's quite a daunting prospect, the fear of not being able to live up to your potential and you had been... Yeah. You know, brimming with potential. Yeah, for that was year. that was a big one as well. Just knowing that it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out. Like, go to Brisbane with all the hope and um, yeah, all the hope that you, you're gonna turn, make something big here, and you got all the dreams of what it could be. And it, and our first two games of my first season there in 2020, we beat the Cowboys in Townsville at their brand new stadium, and that was huge. That's one of my favourite. Rugby league memories, that one. Mm. Um, beating them up there round one, the local derby. Um, yeah, that was massive. And then we won our second round as well. And then we went into lockdown. And so the, uh, those two so games... we need to blame lockdown, really, don't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to blame someone. Yeah. UK, yeah. we just blame people here. Yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah, we that's we what we do. <laughs> 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 but, but, but it's... I mean, look, no, you're 25 and you, next week you're a baby and yeah. uh, there's still so much time ahead but, and no great career comes without adversity and this nah. is the first time that you've had it and yeah. you're already turning it around by the looks of it so and I, I don't think anyone's expecting you to come in here and say oh Salford was always the dream and I wanted to come and play for Salford you know um, it, it's a great opportunity for you isn't it to turn things around which is surely is what's been in your head yeah for, for sure um, so when I, when I got off that phone call and my, my heart sunk and coming to the conclusion that yeah this is probably gonna have to be like i'm gonna need a change like i'm gonna and your missus who's english is like fucking sulfur are you kidding me <laughs> yeah. like i could tell you two things about sulfur that, that that helped it, it helped that my or she wasn't saying that about sulfur she she was thinking more manchester she yeah, was like england in general yeah england <laughs> she's back back home where her family are and it was, yeah it's crazy how the stars align mm -hmm. um 
yeah, so with, with that deal coming up, coming to the UK, like that's a big, big move to come from Australia to the UK. I've never been over this side of the world, Young so far family. away from my family. How, how, you'd had your kid at this stage? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Had, baby. Had Harris. He's, um, he's a year and a half now, so he was only a year or so at the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, so the way the stars aligned with just a fresh start for myself and Saf having a family over here, um, knowing that long term we always want to settle in Australia but this is a great opportunity to come over here and experience the UK and and meet her family. I'd never met her family in person. Um, yeah, it was just it worked out to be great timing. And uh, yeah, just, just finally on that before we before we talk all positive things in Salford, do you think the NRL have a responsibility to to not toss away? potential and young talent like slabs of meat because i mean your yours is a story which is salvageable but there's plenty of people who never come back from that stage uh, do you see it as a, a league problem or was it just an issue within what was happening at brisbane oh geez that's it's a very open and big question i've never mm. i've never thought about it. it's a good question um i think they do look down on the super league a little bit so when from my perception when players do leave australia to play over here i think Historically, they've looked down on it as you're not good enough to make the NRL, so you're going playing over there. However, mm. recently, they've rec started to recruit a lot of young English players, mm. and there's players Ben Murdoch, Marcella, Jackson Hastings, a few others that have gone played over here, done a spell, and gone back mm. and been a success. So, I think the um, the way Super League is interpreted over there is changing and developing. But I think historically, it was probably seen as a second tier co second tier competition over there. Yeah, I think that's a a fair assumption of the general population there in Australia. Um, but yeah, like, as you said, like your, your Jackson Hastings and Ben Murdoch, they've mm -hmm. gone back, I think even back to like Blake Green, for instance. Well, I know Ben Barber's situation was different, but even he came over and suddenly, you know, everyone wanted a slice of him back in the Yeah, end. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying my time here at the moment. Um, and yeah, meeting, meeting the SAS family and, and try and enjoy the UK weather. <laughs> but uh, heat, heat weather. I mean, this isn't a loaded question, but you must have arrived and thought, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, when we first arrived, so we flew into London, went straight to Cambridge where her family are from. And um, oh, uh, this is not England's nice, isn't it? Yeah. University. All yeah. All nice read all about Stephen Hawking. Oh, this yeah. is very, oh, wrote it. the it brief history like, of time. Cambridge is really, like Cambridge is beautiful. But yeah, the Airbnb that we chose—it uh, was damp on the inside, and it had like that old person smell to it. And I was like, "Oh, geez, <laughs> please don't tell me all the houses are like this over here." But yeah. So come on, let's into some secrets. You know, and there must have been—I know there weren't perhaps offers filtering out of the NRL, but certainly other clubs in in the UK. How did you whittle it down to the Super League club that you chose? Um, yeah, I think my missus had a big say in that. Yeah. Just saying that Salford being in Manchester, like being close to the city for her and um, her, her actually heard she's got family in Leeds as well as Cambridge mm -hmm. so Leeds not too far from from Salford where we are um, but yeah the, when when the deal come from Salford and uh, I liked the way that the direction the club was going well that was under Richard Marshall and he was sacked before he'd even signed so I mean <laughs> there, was, there was there were complications there, everywhere weren't there yeah, I mean. it, yeah there was complications but I just I like the, the way that, especially Ian Blees, the, the CEO, was yeah. speaking in our meetings and that. And um, yeah, that, that really excited me. And knowing that they've had that success recently and well, 
almost success, so you can call it, I guess, um, with those grand final. I'm just thinking that because Mark mentioned it. Did, w even when you're talking to Ian, please, were, were there in, was in your head at all the Jackson Hastings comparison of just having come? I don't know. I don't know. He wasn't as established as you were in the NRL when he came over, but um, I mean, you've had arguably the same impact, if not bigger, in the short space of time you've been there. Yeah, I don't know, don't know about that, but he um, he definitely was someone that we used as like my, man, my management used as an example of the success you can have and the mm. way you can really bring bring more li life back to your career, I guess. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's funny you mentioned Jackson Hastings. He, he messaged me just recently the other day, just asking how it's going. And Saying, don't go there, don't go to Salford. Try <laughs> <laughs> no, wigging out. He just, uh, yeah, said that it's really good to see Salford going well this year and he's yeah. wishing us all the best for the rest of the year. Uh, but yeah, again, like the Jackson Hastings comparisons and, and the Cooper Cronks comparisons when I was at Melbourne, um, like as much as like it's all good and have those storylines that I've I've always wanted to try to make a name for myself. So mm. you do your best to, to go out there and as we spoke about earlier and, and play your own game rather than play someone else's game. And well, I think you put yourself down a bit because, you know, many have said that you're the best halfback of the season based on your performances. I mean, Paul Rowley's obviously saying that as your coach, but that's that's not just Mark. I mean, you've watched yeah, a lot of rugby 100%. this season. And I think a lot of factors, I think Marks needs a great com um, combina halfback combination mm. for Brody. Um, I think it allows you to do what you do best. I think it'd be great, not that the last, the last couple of years have probably been a bit tough, but I think playing lots of games in the Super League probably helps in terms of you playing more footy, playing with different people. Salford's style of play probably it allows you to thrive and, and do what's good. Um, and the fans love an expansive style of play at Salford. Yeah. So, and the, and the game's much quicker over here. There's, it's more expansive anyway. So playing in an, in an expansive team in an expansive competition mm. always makes halfback shine. And I think it's it's perfect for, for Brody. And I, I won't be surprised if... Well, I'll be, I would be surprised if Salford were able to keep hold of him and Super League will be able to keep hold of him for the next couple of years. And, and look, you, you talked, I'm just thinking back to about 20 minutes ago and you said, you know, playing seven at Suncor and like the dream of, of playing in front of that sort of audience and TV audience and so on. And then you started with Cass away. What a place. What a place. My favourite away ground, Cass. <laughs> the junk, did, you get a, did you get a beer in the jungle afterwards? Did you, I, no? I didn't get a beer, but... Uh, <laughs> Impressions, yeah, come on, don't lie of, to us. Plenty what of chants and <laughs> booze. Such an and, atmosphere. Oh, it? it was unbelievable. I mean... During the preseason, the boys, because obviously the draws come out early, so you know who you play in round one, and the boys are like, oh, jeez, mate, you couldn't have picked a better round one. Like, so Castleford away, Friday night, mm. uh, round one. Yeah, it was... The, when I walked out there, before the, all the fans come in, so when the bus arrived and you're walking out there and you see in the ground and it's all enclosed, and you're like, oh, jeez, like, it's a bit of a small ground. Like, the, the field's even, the bloody 40 to 30 metre lines aren't mm. even 10 so, metres. Like, how that even gets past. The, the tra change room's like a shoebox. <laughs> yeah. But Wil brilliant. Wil Wilkin got plenty of shit there, didn't he? He was just whispering in his ear, like, you're a wanker. Because you can hear it because you're that close. Probably you. That close to them. Yeah. Well, you but uh, I felt like before I even got there, I'd almost played the game and being in the being in the dressing rooms, I heard that many stories about yeah. it before I got there. So I was prepared for what we're in for, but then what I wasn't prepared for was the the, the hostile fans. Like it was crazy. Like is that is that more than the NRL? Look, don't lie to us. We've had so many Aussies come on. Even back, Mark, I'm thinking to Aiden Caesar. A few, few. Um, I mean, Luke, Luke Yates said it recently, didn't he? About um, the atmosphere just being far more vociferous, far more. Oh, yeah. 
enjoyable and yeah. nerve-wracking to play in front of than, than the NRL. I mean, you guys have got the South Stand at Salford and that can get rowdy, can't it, Mark, as you well know, and you've been yeah. in the middle of some good times and some bad times there. <laughs> Indeed, it does, but, but it's so much better off. The atmosphere is so much better off. Yeah, yeah, that's something I've really enjoyed, just the atmosphere at games. I mean, the attendance isn't as high, I'd say. It's getting there, but... It's not as high as NRL games as like a, a sold out Suncorp, definitely. You'd rather but play in front of ten thousand people screaming their heads off than yeah, sixty thousand people who are Yeah, exactly. Like um the way that they just chant and get into the games, like they're vocal the whole game that a lot of the time you can't eat, you I'm making calls as a half and let's put like from a line dropout, you make a call and the hooker can't hear you because what? the fans are, <laughs> you, you're calling shapes by using numbers and all that yeah. sort of stuff trying to get the call across just so you can hear what we're going to do that set um so yeah like i've i've really enjoyed that the singing that goes on in the crowds uh, even like that that, that cusserford game at the jungle there like mm. the amount of way f- uh our fans that we got that so it was a away game for us yeah but the amount of Salford fans that were in that crowd was unbelievable. I was just like, wow. Like, And they've really built, I mean, I don't know how much you watched, but Mark played in the grand final for Salford. Um, was that three years ago, Mark? 2019. 2019. Um, you know, they, and that's what they had to do, build on that. Obviously, COVID wasn't great knocking it, knocking out the middle of that. But, you know, they went to Old Trafford and was it, it was Stratford End? I can't remember which end the Salford fans Another were. They, they made some noise in there. And yeah. they, they had to build on that success because, you know, even the idea of Salford getting to a grand final... 10 years ago would have seemed ridiculous and the, yeah. you know the players that they've signed Let, let's get really nerdy and I'll stay out of this conversation completely <laughs> Mark can actually join in the halfback chat because he did play halfback in a grand final for St Helens again I don't like talking about don't, it doesn't like talking about it or his time in the Which NRL but that, that combination then with, with Mark Sneed who's gone back to Salford where he, where he started um, to talk to us about what a relationship's like in the, in the halves and what you need and what the perfect recipe is yeah I feel like we've got a good balance there um, between me and me and Schneedy and even Kez out the back, Ryan Breeley. Um, we've got our little spine chat that go we've got going on and I just think our our characters and personalities really complement each other well. Um Schneedy, he uh did, he did Cooper come along and say, Look, Mark, you need a bit more of uh Brody in there, <laughs> Brody <laughs> Ryan, you could do it. You Bro, Ryan, you get inside Brody. You drink Mark. more Guinness like Mark Guinness. Who? Mark's Mark need, need does yeah. he? True, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's almost got his Irish citizenship just yeah. because of his Mount of Kinesis. Good old as well. Yeah. But it's almost like you have this kind of, um, you know, th- th- this little sort of click with, with you three guys then. And, y- and you need it, don't you? Because it, it is the whole fluidity of a team. You th- yeah. You two slash three. Yeah, so he, especially Schneedy, he's a real laid back character, like just real laid back, just easy going. Um, so... And he's more of your traditionalist halfback as such. His kicking game, that's his go. His left boot, one of the best in the comp, if not the best. Um, and, yeah, just his experience as well. He's been around for so long. He's won a couple of Challenge Cups, a couple of Lance, Trod, Lance Todd Trod, um, medals. So, he, uh, yeah, he, he's a real calming influence, I'd say, for myself. Helps me a lot. <clears throat> and, yeah, between, especially between him, myself, and, and Ryan Breeley, we have... Um, some really good chats. Sheedy doesn't like chatting rugby league as much as me and Kez. Like, are you two of the nerds? Yeah, we're, we're the nerds that just love it, and <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sending each other like 
clips of someone doing this play or this play and <laughs> Sheedy would be like, oh, put ball away, mate, put ball away. <laughs> Get the Guinness out. Get the Guinness out. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Because look, everyone wants to play expansive rugby league. So it's become a cliche, isn't it? Oh, yeah, we they play this beautiful brand, this expansive rugby league. No one wants to play shit, boring rugby yeah. league, which makes people go home early. But yeah. it's easier said than done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think what also helps us three um, with what we complement each other with our games and me and Kez running and Shady passing, but then being able to work off each other's game. So we're trying to bring, the coaching staff trying to bring more running out of Shady, trying to coach staff bring more passing out of myself and, mm. and putting it all together as a team. Um, and then, yeah, as alluded to the coaching staff, I feel like I've had a, a massive role to play with our team and, and us three as a spine and, and Akers, I, I say spine 167, Akers nine as well. He, yeah, give him he, a mention. Give him a mention. He, um, <laughs> He tackles his heart out every week. Um, yeah, he, the, the coaching staff have been great to to allow us to to have our input in the in the game plans and and be confident to back ourselves with our attack. Mm. Um, and yeah, just and really built that belief in in what we're doing with our shapes and and how we want to play and um, and because yeah, to an extent you can say that we play that expansive football, but. We, we practice that in the training paddock every day, mm. every day during preseason. We're, we're practicing our passing, we had our catch here, who we're trying to isolate, engage, who we're trying to take on. Um, and yeah, the coaching staff are real thorough with, with their preparation in each match that we do and how we want to go about it. Um, so I'm really enjoying both the, yeah, just all in general, really. So mm. playing with those guys in the spine, with the squad we have and the coaching staff, like it's just a, it's a, it's a good, Group, good, good culture. Yeah, it feels like a good vibe there, doesn't it? I yeah. mean, and, and Mark, you were part of that evolution there yeah. at, at Salford when you were, you know, you, you told us you were 50 50 captain with, with Lee Moss. It was yeah. more like, it was sort of half and half. Yeah, like 10, 10 half, 90, half whatever. Rise, but it was fine. Chips. They gave you an armband and they said, uh, yeah, the wear that, stick, the, stick that on in the training ground, take it off on match days. Um, but, <laughs> but continue, you, what were you going to say? But you, must have, <laughs> but you must have been, you must be genuinely in, impressed post Ian Watson, how Salford have kicked on. Because when Watson left, many were thinking, oh, that's the end of looking towards grand finals for the next 10 years. Well, we touched on this earlier. The problem Salford have had over the last, from when I signed at the start of 2016 was keeping a consistent roster of players. Now, after the success of 2019, we lost a couple of big names. We managed to recruit some good players and we got took us to the Challenge Cup final. But then, in the last two years, we've probably seen, I have probably know about four or five of the lads that I played with two years ago are still there, which tells you it's tough. Mm. And I predicted the start of this season that Salford would start slow, but because of the, um, the talented players that they signed, this guy included, that they would come good later in the season because it's too hard every year, changing combinations, changing players, and expecting it to be, um, to be to free-flowing rugby. So mm. I think that's one thing that they need to probably try and... Um, slightly change going forward is trying to. I know it's easier said than done, but change that um, that inconsistent like, playing roster each year. But just something that, that Brody touched on before was the expansive style that Salford play. We well, can only play expansive rugby if you've got players that can execute it. And the halfbacks have been great, Sneedy and Crofty, but I think their outside backs need a good mention as well because um, they've been absolutely devastating this year. And I think. Tim Lafayette, um, Ken C or um, Joe Burgess especially, they could they could walk into any team in Super League. They've been mm. so good. 
but it, it, it needs that kind of personnel, that calibre of player to be able to play that style, and that's why they've been so successful this year. That was a good answer, that Mark. Actually, the most words you've said this series. Was it? I yeah, enjoyed it. We'll bank that. No, you should be an, you should be an analyst. You're very good. You should be on TV. Give, give me a chance. Good-looking guy as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you have been asking for chances. Ben, come in. Just finally, br- sort of wrapping up then, Brody. Um, like no one is expecting. I don't think any Salford fan in their right mind is expecting to go. I want to sign a ten-year contract at Salford and stay here and whatever. And, and you talked about uh, maybe you didn't. I'm putting words in your mouth, proving people wrong. Do you feel like you have to? And you are still now trying to prove someone wrong, something wrong. I wouldn't say trying to prove people wrong or prove someone wrong or whatever. I just one thing that I wanted to do when I come over here was enjoy my football, get back to enjoying my football, and and get back to going to training, enjoying it. Like like I said, even when I was at Brisbane, I'd still train train as hard as I could, but I wasn't as such enjoying it. I was just working really hard. Whereas I wanted to get back to working hard, but all enjoying it at the same time. Mm. And that's something that this group at Salford, especially at the moment, I feel at the club. Um, and it starts with the coaches and, and filters down. And I just feel like we've got some real good characters at the club that I enjoy just, just hanging out with mm. off the field. And then you get those good relationships off the field. You build them together. And then you come on the training paddy. You want, you want to work for each other. And, uh, and then that's when you start getting the results on the back of that. So... Um, yeah, I'm just really enjoying going to training, hanging with the boys, going with coffees. I'm there every week if they ask. They um, cards. You're a big, big cards fan. Work. It's a great coffee. Yeah, shop. this is a great coffee shop. You we'll like your cards, don't you? Coming it, you like playing. Yeah, I love love playing cards. Um, love my euchre, the 500 poker. Um, yeah. Love any any card games. So so, so look, the, the, in terms of the long term future, and again, this isn't me trying to just get a little clip out of you saying, "Oh, I'm <laughs> sick of the Super League already, and I've only been here two minutes." But I, I still get the impression that you feel like you can um, be that golden boy in the NRL that you were built up to. Unfinished be. business. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. I'd, another thing that I've got, I, I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I'd never say no to any of that. Never, never close the doors or anything. But I also. I'm not looking too far ahead either. And that's just, that's the honest truth. I, when I was at Melbourne, for instance, I thought I was going to play my whole career there. I thought I was going to play 10 years at Melbourne. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't see that my time there. I was there for four years, enjoyed it, and moved to Brisbane. And when I moved to Brisbane, I thought that that was going to be it, that I was going to finish my career at Brisbane. I was going to have a successful career at Brisbane. Um, and that was that was my mindset. I thought that was going to be it, mm. and that didn't happen. Um, so now that I've come over here, here at Salford, I'm on a two-year deal at the moment. Um, and yeah, past that, I'm I'm not looking anywhere past that right now. To be honest, I just focus on the now, and then and whatever happens, that can happen because of the enjoyment that I've brought back to the game because of what I'm doing now. So, yeah. are you enjoying it more than you thought you would when you signed? You could say that, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I didn't want to come over here kicking stones because mm. I knew I wouldn't play good football if I if I did do that. So I knew I had to come with some open-minded but and I was hoping that I would enjoy it. But yeah, I didn't I didn't think I'd probably yeah, get this sort of excitement back just to play like, you know, when you're a kid and you play rugby league, that's, you go on a Saturday, you're excited for game day. You can't wait to go there. You, want, you finish the game, you go to training the next, the next week and then you can't wait for the next game and... 
kind of got that like excitement, like kid excitement yeah. back for the game. It's a nice feeling though, isn't it? I think yeah. It's a testament to probably your character and the stage in your career that you're at, that you feel like that. Because throughout my career in the UK, you play with a lot of, some Aussie players who come over, usually towards the back end of the career, and they just whinge and moan every day about the weather, the standard of Can you name any names, Mark? I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, and it used to really piss me off. But then the few occasions that you'd, you'd sign a player that was full of beans, wanting to be trading every day, wanted to share the knowledge, was excited for away trips, the Magic Weekend, all that kind of stuff. And it was mm. really invigorating. It was a great, it was a great thing for the, for the club to have, the playing squad, to have someone for, with a fresh approach, a fresh mindset, fresh eyes, mm. to bring that, um, that excitement back. And I think that's another reason probably why Salford have, have gone well. They've got a guy in a key position that's probably bringing some life into the squad. Mm. I, I sound like a, a therapist. I tell you what, <laughs> you do not want therapy with me. I'd pay yeah. not to have no, therapy with me. But I could, I could see your body language even when you just went, you know, the, the journey, the childhood, the smile on your face up to Melbourne and, and then when you started talking about the end of Melbourne and Brisbane, you know, you, you kind of introverted and went in and talked about it and, and it reflected in what you were saying about you know verging on depression and verging on yeah. this, these kind of dark times and trouble in your relationships and so on so it's so good Brody to see that you're you're back uh, back. you're back in business yeah. and look there's still so long to go isn't there as yeah. I say 25 next week you've yeah. got if you want it what eight nine years exciting years ahead of you so and then another few in a dinner jacket you know not getting tackled <laughs> yeah. before you get yeah. back yeah. to yeah. the ostrich yeah. farm and kick yeah. the shit out of those ostriches who yeah. used to bully you as a kid you know yeah. that you can do that now you're big enough get in them with your five foot eleven <laughs> with your shoes on. Yeah. Uh, Brody, top man. Six foot, six foot. Mate, thank you so much for coming in. Cheers, uh, really good to hear your story. And look, smash it with Salford and we'll see what happens in the future. Awesome, thanks for having me. Appreciate top it. man, thanks Brody. Uh, there you go, Brody Croft, the Salford halfback, Mark, who's... Uh, Salford star. He's, he's a Salford star, ripping up trees this season in Super League thanks very much for listening watching everybody John Wilkin unfortunately will be back with us next time I won't be Mark I will be in Mallorca I think you've got some exciting guests coming oh, up yes. I'm not really going to say Johnson, who they are in case Boris, they pull out Boris Johnson because someone pulled out last week and the week before Boris Johnson <laughs> might be, be on Boris Johnson. stay tuned, stay tuned. Uh, give us a review on at out of your uh, RL Always good to read them. A lot of them literally do just say after I've encouraged it, John Wilkins a wanker, but that is better than no review. Uh, so five stars, please, and a review, Any review on Apple better than no or Spotify. Review. Exactly, that's what that. Nick Kyrgios said, I think, isn't it? I did, yeah. There's mm. a lot of similarities between Kyrgios and Wilkins, actually. We'll talk about that next time. Thanks for listening. See you next time.